0: on 2FM Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash Let the confidence last
1: Game On Weeknights from 6 on 2FM
0: Well a big thanks to Afric and to Andrew for the afternoon entertainment It is Wednesday January 24th I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On Coming up between now and 7pm, Paul Corrie chats Association Football as rumours swirl around the Ireland manager job. Nadine Doherty reviews and previews Ladies Gaelic Football League action. Damien Lawler brings us the latest news headlines from across the GAA. And then tennis, Gary Call gets his uh, up-to-date with the Australian Open. As always, if you want to have your say, you can send us a text on 51552 or message us on WhatsApp 0871879200. Game on on 2FM. 2FM. Good evening, welcome along to Game On. Paul Curry and Nadine sitting across me. Nadine, I should say, how are you?
2: I'm great, Shane, how are you?
0: Very well. Paul, all good? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Pleasure to have you, um, Paul. As I mentioned, Nadine, lots to get through um, in football league action. We are starting with uh, soccer. um, and Nadine, I'm going to come to the first question to you. Um, on football association football the Irish manager job rumours swirling around uh, at the moment Um, it would seem Chris Hewton is not on the FAI radar however Roy Keane has, has left the door open for a return to Irish coaching would you welcome him Nadine?
2: Listen, I, as a Man United fan I love Roy Keane of course he, d- he well, can do no wrong in your eyes is well. that what you're saying well it used to be like that but realistically ah listen he, he had a crack at it and with Martin O'Neill and mm. he's had plenty of cracks at it really across the water as well and I just don't know I I just feel that at this stage the modern footballer and Roy Keane I just don't think they're going to get mm. on you know I think Carsley obviously is the obvious option I'm surprised that Hewton hasn't been given a little bit of more of a I suppose at higher odds, mm. um, but yeah, Keen. While you'd love it for the entertainment side of things, I I just think that ship has sailed.
3: Mm. Would you share those sentiments, Paul Curry? Yeah, I would. I mean, I totally agree with Dean's point in the sense that it's it's thirteen years since. Keane has been a, a manager as such and I think the game has changed a lot I think players have become a lot more precious in that time Shane and you know the characters that potentially exist in football are very different to the ones that Roy Keane would have shared addressing him with I think when you bet in the fact that we haven't got a huge amount of experience we probably don't have a, an abundance of you know, natural born leaders within the squad of the Bonds, I think it'd be a bit of a risk. But uh, I'm not surprised that he's put his name out there. I don't think he'd jump at any sort of managerial job that comes his way. He's got a very, very cushy gig in the media over looking at, at the Premier League and reviewing mm-hmm. games with Sky. And I think he would only leave for a certain amount of jobs in Ireland. There's certainly one that would, would tempt him. But it's, it's funny that his name comes up. And I say that because Lee Carsley and Roy Keane are completely different characters and completely different managers. Mm. Like we have one who's a very modern day coach and, you know, working with young players. And then you have Roy Keane, who's this kind of hardened character. Who, Inspirational leader. is going to play a very dogged type of football. And it gives you... Some might say that's what Ireland needs. Well, it encapsulates exactly where we are from a footballing <laughs> point of view. We don't know what we want and we don't know what we need yeah. at this moment in time. Well, Roy Keane was speaking on uh, the Stick to
0: Football YouTube show
4: international football I enjoyed it when I was a coach For while, well, I liked the dynamics of it again where well, you're not in every day and it's not about bringing players in and I suppose dealing with the board every week or whatever it might be and the academy yeah that does appeal I did enjoy the dynamics when I was coaching with Martin with the Irish team yeah but then we with a little bit of success and you look back and when you've had a little bit of success then it's brilliant but obviously there's disappointment so yeah that would be uh, that could be an option when
0: I'm I don't know if I'm reading between the lines there but Roy Keane's interested in managing Ireland because he doesn't have to work every day
3: Paul (laughs) (laughs) yeah he probably he probably doesn't want to have to deal with with some of the day to day stuff and actually it was a brilliant interview they had Frank Lampard on and uh, a number of them were speaking about you know why would you want to go into the managerial game it seems so stressful Mm. and there seems to be so much that you have to juggle and maybe that's one of the reasons why international football would, would favour Keane a little more he'd probably be able to do some of the work that he's doing today while also being able to keep an eye on some of the talent that's coming through I just I don't see it happening to be honest with you Shane I think from an Irish fan's point of view it's it's probably you know a marriage that you'd love to see happen and don't get me wrong it would get bums on seats and could you imagine you know the pre and post interviews everybody be glued to their seats but it's a big job. It's a big job for whoever takes us. And I just think the stage of where that squad is and what it requires, I'm I'm not sure. I could actually see some of those younger players crumbling under the pressure of Keane. Oh, really? I could, yeah. He's such, an, he's such an intense character. And you see a much softer side of him in the media. Mm. But I can imagine in the dressing room, that, that would be a difficult environment, I think, for some of our younger players. And maybe Ali Karsley is a better shout. I actually agree with Nadine. I thought Chris Houghton would have been given a bit Surprise, more. Surprised, but and it, that's, the results now in the AFCON, have not
5: helped his... There have been some situation. wild results in well, general
0: um, in, in the Afcom with a lot of uh, the smaller nations um, causing a, a couple of upsets but I, he was dismissed as, as coach of, of Ghana. They didn't perform well but Chris Houghton has mm. performed in, in, in the, in, in the hot, top level in England like just because you've a bad stint with, with Ghana doesn't mean you're a bad manager
3: yeah and, and he did a really good job if you think back to his time at Brighton and gradually progressing that club to, to where it is today he maybe didn't reach the same sort of heights as a Graham Potter or a Zerbi, but he was absolutely instrumental in that club mm. I think the list we have for, for that Irish manager job is, is not maybe made up out of Concrete knowledge of who's on it—it's it, more sort of who's put their hand up for it, as yeah. like a Lennon or a Keen. And um, so they're they're talking around having somebody in place. I think for the Nations League draw, which is the eighth of February, I believe. A couple of weeks, yeah. So we should be hearing something uh, concrete over the over the next seven to ten days. But it would seem that it's Lee Carsey's if he's want if he wants it. Mm. I still go back to that point though, like England on twenty ones having the creme de la creme of of European football and youngsters. What's a bigger job? and playing playing. Posi- Oh, the Irish the Irish job is definitely Are you saying it with green tinted definitely. glasses? No, no, I don't think so. I just think it, Or where it's, where it's, where we are as football nations
0: blooding through stars of the future for, for the English twenty one job yeah. and then doing well, perhaps leading to an English senior manager job, is that not better than what Ireland have and where Ireland are and what their aims are at the moment?
3: I, I still think twenty one's football is seen as, as development football. Like if you think about the situation that happened when Stephen Kenny was in charge, the 21s had a massive qualifier qualifier against Israel and he called up who he wanted from that squad and you know, um 21s manager Jim, uh, Crawford, Jim Crawford had no yep. control over over that situation and I think that is a massive sort of gap still from 21s to to uh, senior international football. So you what you would like to say but it's a it's a completely different ball game again. Like he's got unbelievably talented players at an under-21s level who go and control the tempo of games. We don't have those personnel to do that in, in our senior squad at this moment in time, so it's a massive ask for Carsley. I, I still think he could sit there, wait and see what happens with the Southgate situation. He could end up in that England job after the Euros. Oh, wait and see. One would hope not. One would hope One not. It'd be great to see how we'd get on with our squad because there is so much talk about Carsley's potential. And the age
0: bracket of a lot of the players would suit... Lee Carsley coming up from, yeah. from, from, from the 21s yeah. um, you mentioned another name there Neil Lennon I know we were talking off air Nadine about uh, listening to Neil Lennon on the GA Social BBC podcast comes across well
2: he does, It was us, across, yeah. well. It was a great interview, actually. It um, was. Thomas
0: Niblock and Ushi uh, McConville. Yeah.
2: And I suppose aside of Lennon, I haven't really, I wouldn't really follow Scottish football in a sense, or mm. I haven't really followed his managerial career, so I haven't heard that many interviews with him. Um, yeah, he came across really well. Interesting about his GA background as well. Mm. And he credited a lot of that to him going on, I suppose, and being successful. Um, yeah, in terms of management, I mean,
0: it falls he, into the Roy Keane category It doesn't does it.
2: and since he left Celtic it's kind of been a bit of a downward spiral for him in terms of how long he's been in jobs his success and so on and I think his name is always going to be associated with the job because of nostalgia same as Keane you know it mm-hmm. is as you said it's the same bracket um, yeah he really expressed interest but I feel if he was a realistic candidate they would have gone after him at this stage it would have been a done deal because he's not linked to or, you know he's not with anybody so yeah, um, yeah so we can rule him out
0: uh, one other Irishman getting an intra-manager job Curtis Fleming former League of Ireland cult hero and Ireland International is the uh, intra-manager at Charlton
3: Athletic Well, he's just left Bristol City he was number two to Nigel Pearson while he was there oh,
0: okay.
3: so good to see him back in the game
0: um, very much so very much so and who knows in the future in the distant future we could see Curtis Fleming as a, an Irish manager um, ok a couple of weeks ago, we might have some white smoke from the FAI Paul Corrie uh, English League Cup Chelsea are back <laughs> all is forgiven all is forgiven crisis what crisis um, that win um, but they're putting together a bit of a run of form five of the past six games in all competitions they've won One the one defeat in that period being the, the semi-final first leg loss to Middlesbrough I'm sure Maurizio Pacciano might say that was just a, a once off forget about it we've redeemed ourselves with, with a big win um, he is desperate to win his first trophy in English football after building a Chelsea team from nearly zero um, says Poch and leading them to the Carabao Cup final would you agree that he's rebuilt it from, from
3: ground zero no I'm not sure I would agree totally with that I think there was you know a number of players yes to work with but um, you know they've spent a lot of money there was a lot of potential there so I'm not sure he was working with zero but he seems to be constantly battling doesn't he with that's you know, not winning a, a title while he's been in English football and even people will say or discredit the, the two titles that he won in, in Paris while he was there because Paris-Agemann are expected to. So for him and for the squad it would be certainly... A, a nice sort of landmark as regards to progression for that squad if they were able to win a trophy there's definitely been an uptick in the form and the performances in the last couple of weeks but I think you have to take that with a pinch of salt shame when you look at the teams that they have played and you would expect them to win the majority of the games there's much safer tests down the road whether it be in the Carabao Cup final I'm sure everybody in Sanford Bridge is, is praying the Fulham win tonight against Liverpool but the games against they've got City Tottenham Newcastle Arsenal Manchester United all before um, the start of April so that's it's going to be a really testing kind of six to eight weeks and that's where you'll start to maybe get a bit more of a benchmark of where this Chelsea team are but the results have been decent in the last couple of weeks the performances have seen a certain bit of an uptick but there's still a, a major frailty in that squad and, and last night was listen a bit of a dose of reality for Middlesbrough they actually started the game really well but they played themselves into trouble so many times trying to play out from the back and, and Chelsea have a lot of pace in that final third and they were able to turn off possession and Cole Palmer scored twice. I mean, he's been the standout player and standout signing this season for mm-hmm. Chelsea and uh, there was a couple of decent performances within as well. But yeah, a decent night at the office and uh, we'll see who they face in the final but still a lot of work to do there for Pochettino. Uh,
0: legal final... In its current situation for Chelsea would mean a lot. I'm sure it would mean a lot for Fulham as well. Probably not so much for, for Liverpool. Or maybe being a bit disingenuous with that.
4: I don't know
3: about that, Shane. Because the reason I say it is just because there's been such a a changeover of personnel within that Liverpool squad like if you look at the, the titles the Champions League and the Premier League that they won some of those players have moved on and for the likes of Diaz, Ajota, you know Harvey Elliott Gravenberg McAllister it would be huge for them I think if they were able to kick on and, and win a competition and I mean the form they've been in over the last number of weeks I thought they might suffer losing Salah and, and the fact that Trent's been out I think the performances in, in the last number of weeks have been very um, professional but also mm. very amiable and I mean it it's so long since they've lost a Premier League game. I didn't I just didn't see that at the start of the season. I thought it was going to take them maybe twelve months to bet in the new players and and kind of recover from maybe what was a, a bit of a slow season for them last year. But I could you could see them going on now towards the end of the season and really challenging the likes of Man City. Whether or not they have enough, I'm not too sure. Um they're in a, a kind of current run of form whereby they've got so many threats in the final third that they don't actually have to play well. For the whole ninety minutes, um, if you look at the game against Fulham in the first, like they scored two goals in three minutes, and that sort of gives you an idea of where they're at as a team. They are so threatening going forward; they cause so many troubles in the final third. If they could be a little more efficient with the likes of Nunes that could kick them on to the next level. But it's it's going to be difficult for Fulham tonight. I just see Liverpool scoring, and then once they score, it's going to be very difficult to to recover that that deficit.
0: Okay, what else is happening in England? Casimiro's been linked with Saudi Arabia. Anthony Martial is out for up to 10 weeks. Calvin Phillips going on loan from Manchester City to West Ham. But Paul, I want to pick your brain on League of Ireland um, transfers, starting with Sligo Rovers, who have received a significant boost ahead of the new uh, Premier Division season with the return of goalkeeper Ed McGinty on loan from League One side, Oxford United, uh, until the end of June. Two questions for you, Paul. Firstly, how big a signing uh, is that for for Sligo how will it benefit them but also is this an early step back in the progress of Ed McGuinty's career
3: I mean it hasn't worked out from the move to to Oxford United he's only played three games while he's been there and I'm I'm somewhat surprised by that um, in the sense that you know, he had a very good profile when he went over. He played a couple of times, he so was 21. He'd obviously built a really good profile here in Sligo, but he just hasn't been able to make his way into that first team squad. Is it a step back? I think it's a step to kind of rebuild not rebuild his career because he's so young but to just rebuild a bit of form and a bit of confidence you have to play games that age particularly as a goalkeeper and Sligo's obviously an environment that he knows um, he knows everybody and the personnel around the club and maybe it's just a step backwards in order to take another two steps forwards but for Sligo it's huge Shane Um, Mm. you know the season last year was so disappointing for for John Russell and Sligo fans expect a lot more from that club. So he's certainly one that you can you can build at least your back four around. He's he's very steady. He's got good distribution and he also knows the league very well. So a major coup for them.
0: For Dundalk, who need a goalkeeper, they have signed Ross Munro. Now listen, I admit I don't know much about Ross Munro. He could have, could end up being the best goalkeeper the league has ever seen, um, but underwhelming times at Dundalk
3: <laughs> yeah slightly particularly when you've lost I mean before you start looking at who they've brought in losing Pat Huben is is huge mm. I can't wait to see how he gets on with Derry because I thought that was maybe an area of Derry kind of not the final piece of the jigsaw but if you could get somebody at the top end of the pitch Colin Whelan was struck with so many injuries I think Huben would do very well there but yeah Dundalk is is, it's hard to gauge where they're at and it has been that way for the last kind of 24 months even the players that they've brought in Shane it's it's been very hard to know what to expect I'm not surprised that the keepers come in from Scotland Stevie O'Donnell seems to have a, a very strong mm. network there and, and, and seems to pick up players from that neck of the woods quite a bit um, the fact that Nathan Shepherd, he was probably one of the shining lights from Dundalk over the last two two and a half years he seems to have been at least one of the players who's shown an element of consistency, and it's been unfortunate they haven't been able to tie him down. So Ross Monroe coming in, interesting to see how he gets on. Know very very little about him, but it's it's back to that sort of uncertainty around Dundalk. You don't really know what you're going to get, and you don't really know. It seems a huge amount about the players that they bring in. Well, we wish them all the best. It's always great when you get to chat
0: league of Ireland goalkeepers. Uh, let us finish our <laughs> soccer conversation, Paul, um, with Waterford. And um, they have signed a uh, Polish winger. Uh, Kasper Skierczynski on loan from uh, the top uh, flight in Poland so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on but Park Amund is uh, strongly linked uh, with Waterford uh, from Woking is that a game changing signing or do you have to put it into perspective that it's a 35 year old striker that was playing with Woking let's not get carried away
3: it's kind of similar to the Alan Doyle situation when he went back to Pats now Owen Doyle was, was certainly playing at a higher level when he was at Bolton and um, Padraig Ammons listen he's had a very good career I, I know a lot of people look at a CV and they'll see Accrington, Stanley Morecambe, Grimsby, Hartlepool and they might not say okay it's the sexiest CV I've ever seen but to stay in English football and stay relevant for that period of time is not easy and he's played a huge amount of games and deserves a lot of credit for that a guaranteed well, goal scorer as well is very hard to well, come by that's what I was going to say and he was never really blessed with pace he had that do you remember he had that incredible season at Sligo and then went to Pacos de Ferreira in Portugal mm. and we see a lot of Irish players going to I think
0: the Dominic Foley rogue route of going yeah, across very, Europe very very
3: rogue <laughs> um, he was probably never blessed with blistering pace to get himself in behind so maybe his game hasn't changed a huge amount over the years and what you'll get from Podrick Amund is exactly what you said Shane he'll be that sort of fox in the box mm-hmm. um, he's not going to be brilliant to stretch in teams he'll use experience I'm sure to hold up the ball but what Waterford will want from him is just his presence in the 18 yard box the fact that they lost Ronan Coughlin and the goals from from Waterford's side um, they certainly needed a replacement somebody who knows the league a bit of experience it's not the worst signing um, I think he'll do well there I think he'll get a couple of goals but I, I would also be encouraged if, if they were able to maybe supplement that with somebody a bit younger who's going to be there for a couple more years but um, definitely not the worst piece of business I've seen
0: Absolutely I know Waterford fans got a bit excited when Daryl Murphy signed so who knows how it is going to uh, work out and who knows how Kasper Sinski uh, will get on at Waterford as well Paul we Curry, i
3: to that too many times <laughs> oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> Kasper the, <laughs> the, the, the quick boy on the wing um, Paul Curry, thank you very much Nadine you're sticking around we're going to chat Gaelic Games in a few moments
2: Game on. GAA.
0: Now, RT Sports' Damien Lawler joins us, uh, as is near tradition now, of a Wednesday to chat uh, Gaelic games. Um, Damien, not long to go now until uh, the Allianz Football League uh, throws in this weekend. Uh, We will be previewing it in detail uh, later on in the week, but kind of broad strokes here. What should we be expecting? What are you most looking forward to seeing from this football league?
6: Yeah, Division 2, Shane, I think for me that's really where it's all happening because you want to be avoiding the the last four of Division 2 if you want to be surely cemented uh, with your Sam Maguire status place this year. So I think um, the battle for the Division 2 places will be really, really intriguing. And the fact that you've got maybe Tipperary, Clare and Limerick looking f- to reach a Munster final, it means that a Division 3 or 4 team could be in the proper championship this year. The, when I say the proper championship, the Sam Maguire proper. Mm-hmm. So uh, Division 2 is where it's at. Um, looking through the teams in Division 1 chain, not entirely sure who needs to win that competition this year. Um, I would think that maybe Derry would like to give it a good shot. Uh, Ross Common will def- definitely want to give it a good shot, and possibly Kerry. You know, traditionally, when Jack O'Connor has won an All Ireland, he's won a league as well. So he'd be superstitious maybe about that. But I think for everybody else, it's a blooding in players because unfortunately there is a caveat there with Mayo winning last year and 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 uh, losing to Ross a week later in the championship. Uh, there are three three Division One teams. Think uh, immediately spring into mind um, that have to play connect or have to play championship football a week after the league final and two of those games are are away uh, as in tricks to new york etc so uh i think you know that that all has to be factored in it's it's a short season but there's a lot to get through as well Shane
0: is there a concern that's going to affect competitiveness then as a result
6: yeah i think there there is kind of like uh there is that concern certainly there in hurling as well um I think uh, it certainly won't be the case in Division 2. There's no room to be resting on anybody's laurels. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the likes of every team is at a different stage. Uh, You know, Mickey Hart's after taking over Derry. Will the Glen guys come back fairly quickly? That'll be interesting. So competition for places internally will be a factor there. Um, I'm led to believe that a few of the more experienced players with Dublin won't come back until the end of the league. So it'll give new players a chance to shine. Uh, Galloway, I think their focus really has to be on the championship this year. They've, they've really not picked up since they reached the all the final season before last. Uh, Kerry, Jack O'Connor will want to replace the likes of Jack Barry, uh, but he, he's he's missing a few for the Derry game, and that could be a dicey one for him at home this weekend. We're covering that live. Um, we're, on, we're on air for Saturday evening, Shane, uh, down in Kerry, so that should be a good one to start off with. You'd imagine, in terms of the competitiveness from Mayo, they really went out the league last year and won it. I can't speak for Kevin McStay, but I wonder what their approach will be this year, having lost the championship a week later. They can quite recover from that. And as regards Monaghan, you know, I spoke last week, I think, Shane, about how impressive they've been over the last decade in retaining their Division One status. But, you know, Rory Began is, is going for the uh, NFL trials. and uh, Carol Gallagher has gone to the AFL. And I think you've you've got a, a fairly significant retirement there in the, in the past week or so too. So uh, they'll have their own internal um, team restructuring to go through. And Roscombe and Davy Burke, I think he'll be all out for a league win. And you know what? Tyrone could do one as well. Um, Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan are in their fourth year. They had a heavy All-Ireland quarter final defeat to Kerry last year. And uh, I, I wonder if many people expect them to call it a day, but they've actually come back now and they've got another three-year term. So they really do need to get off to a good start as well.
0: As I said, we will be um, discussing match specifics later in the week as well, and in the build-up uh, to the hurling, I'm sure there's plenty of narratives uh, to discuss in that. But just confirming, Damien, because there was some concern earlier in the week, there's going to be no referee shortage. We're all we're all okay in that front.
6: <laughs> no, there'll be no referee shortage. I think uh, 42 referees of inter-county level uh, went through a fitness test in Abbottstown last Friday week. Uh, only 19 passed. Uh, I think a, a number, a good number, of working present. On the day, which would account for a, a lot of numbers, um, I think you know at least uh, my information is four or five, and uh, we're very close to passing. Um, so that's probably a significant chunk of people that that would be in the green light uh, zone very, very soon. I think anybody who didn't pass the test is is okay to do sideline officiating or, or match officiating. Uh, you know, in terms of the the, the, the assistant referee. Uh, this weekend coming so there will be no shortage and those referees who, who did not pass the test you know their names are out in the public domain and they're not happy really maybe that a lot of attention has been brought to that there was a slight difference to the technicalities of the testing system uh, I believe test system uh, this time around I, I'm led to believe was the placing of the foot on the actual mark and uh, and, and what part of the foot uh, crossed the actual mark and how far across the mark it went I'm led to believe it's that technical so uh, that could maybe have a, a different result for four or five but uh, I, I do believe there are other referees then who probably have a few weeks uh, of fitness work to do to get up to the level and uh, I think they will get the opportunity in two to three weeks to be retested. The hurling referees are being tested on Friday night ahead of their league season. So, I I, I mean, I guess you could see something similar next week but um, there's no shortage of referees. I got that confirmed uh, by Crow Park during the week.
0: Well, that certainly is uh, good news, Damien, that we will have uh, referees uh, and on that uh, subject, uh, Marty Morrissey was actually speaking to uh, former hurling referee Fergal Horgan a little bit earlier on today.
4: Well, it's disappointing to hear, it, Marty. Obviously, um, we don't, we just don't have the referees at the moment. I suppose uh, I don't know what has happened in the last twelve or eighteen months. Like um, we always pass the test, so maybe things have been run more stricter this year than they have been in other years. Is it unfair on referees? No, the test has always been there. It's been the same every year for the last six or seven years. Sixteen eight for the league, seventeen four for the championship. Look, it, it does. It's 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 fifty fifty, isn't it? Um, Look, I don't know, was it was it a bit of both that, that the person that was running was, was stricter than normal, or were the referees not up to it? But, like, the likes of the referees I heard that failed it would be normally passing it. So, something didn't add up on the night.
6: So, is there pressure this Friday night coming on the hurling referees? Because there is a smaller
4: pool, obviously. Yeah, there would be huge pressure on them. Obviously, the hurling is way smaller than the football, because there wouldn't be as many matches. But... Um, I suppose the big problem with referees uh, uh, in Holland is like we have John Keenan and Paul Dewar who are 50 who would fly the fitness test and they're no longer a part of the panel because of this 50 age rule which I think is ridiculous and you have lads that just can't pass it so why are we, why are we losing referees that can pass it over age limit which doesn't add up to me. Should the process be different do you think Fergo? The process of analysing and testing referees? Is the system wrong? Well I think the test that they're using at the moment is not right. Um, for refereeing, referee it's only a 13 minute test 13 to 15 minutes uh, a game is obviously now only 18 minutes now right so I think we should be using a different test but we've looked for that on several occasions and it's been torn down we're told this is the best test available for inter-county referees so that's where we're at at the moment unfortunately Are you concerned about losing referees? Yeah sure we are going to lose referees i read somewhere in the last couple of days I think Brian Gavin had a piece on the examiner that some of the lads had to be convinced to stay on board over last weekend's um, results. So that's disappointing.
0: Disappointing, um, says Fergal Horgan. And Damien, I think, think broad, broadly concerning comments there about is is the fitness test um, fit for purpose and also the topic about referees being forced into retirement, so might say early retirement as well.
6: Yeah, so as regards the fitness test process, Shane, I, I, I wouldn't have a clue in terms of the dynamics of that. I'm not qualified to to make any comment on that. Uh, I do know there was a difference this time around in the testing process and I, I alluded to that mm. earlier with the technicalities of it. However, I fully agree with the, the 50, 50 mark. Uh, no doubt in my mind, John Keenan was only getting better as an intercounty referee. Part of the wire deserved an All-Ireland final. No doubt about that at senior level. Um, they both turned 50 last year. I think that if, you, if you're good enough and you're meeting the fitness standards, uh, I, I don't see any reason why you got to step off the stage at that age. You know, I mean, I think that's something that certainly could be revisited and um, as I say like both John Keane and the mm. de are very well got in the hurling fraternity numbers are small as well as Fergal Horgan was making out so that is certainly something that that could be revisited and I, I'd actually I welcome that because let's be honest about it with the experience you've garnered at that stage of your life it has to be it, it has to be helpful to you and like um, if you're not going to keep up with play at a County level you're going to be cut out fairly, very quickly anyway. And I think you'll know yourself if you can't if you can't do the job. Um, but yeah, that's the 50 mark is something that could be looked at 100%.
0: We certainly need more referees, uh, not less. Uh, Damien, let us finish on a man that you mentioned a little bit earlier on in the chat, and that is uh, Rory Begg, and he's one of four Irishmen um, hoping to carve a career in the NFL. Uh, how realistic are their opportunities?
6: Very realistic. Um, 32 teams will send scouts and coaches to the Combine in in Indianapolis uh, at the start of March. Before that, Rory, Mark Jackson, Charlie Smith and Daryl Leader will go on a month-long kicking camp in Florida to get themselves ready for it. They've been working hard three times a week for the last six months anyway. I think the the really encouraging thing there is there is an incentive uh, under the international uh, program pathway. There is an incentive to bring in outside players to bring in foreign players to the NFL and not have to worry about any wage limits or not, not have to worry about any roster sizes. So effectively what I'm trying to say there Shane is uh, there is one space per NFL team uh, for an international player and the guys have to put their, their case forward as kickers and punters and from what I saw in Abbottstown and I went out to, uh, to watch them train on Tuesday and uh, I'm, I'm not an NFL buff or anything like that, Shane, but, I mean, they were so impressive to me. And what do I mean by impressive? Uh, the technique, uh, the, the, the standard, a the high-quality standard, you know, the accuracy, the, the level of straightness in their body, uh, the snap, the hold, the reaction time. Again, I wouldn't be well up to speed with NFL dynamics or anything like it, but to me, they have a good chance. Um, they're fairly confident themselves. Uh, they're meeting all the the reason I say they have a good chance primarily is they are meeting all the metrics that have been laid down by the NFL. And the NFL have employed Tide leader to be the kicking and punting coach for a group of sixteen that are traveling out um looking for looking for that NFL contract. And it's life changing. And like Mark Jackson, Charlie Smith, Rory Began, the three Gaelic football goalkeepers. Just to see their, their striking is, is absolutely beautiful. And they're making a the point, if, if punters from Australia can make it their way into the NFL, you know, why can't the Irish? Both sports kick from the ground, one of the few uh, sports to do so. And they're extremely, extremely, I won't say confident, but they're, they're reassured that the work they're doing is bringing them to where they need to get to. The NFL Combine uh, at the start of March is going to be a massive event. Huge hype around it, we've probably seen it in the movies over the years, uh, a lot of media, all the scouts, all the coaches, and you know what, that pressure, well our, our lads have big match day pressure themselves that, that they've got used to, you know, C- certainly Rory has all in semi-final against the Dubs, and I, I don't know, I, I have a funny feeling that it could be good news for at least one of them, and, and you know what, hopefully more as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, we can hear from one of those goalkeepers, Rory Began, the former Monaghan goalkeeper. Uh, Damien, you were chatting to him at the Sport Ireland campus yesterday.
1: For me it's it's about going over there and giving it everything I have and potentially earning a contract that could be life changing, you know. Um you'll always be always keeping an eye back in the GA at home if it if it does come about but um look at it, at the minute it's full focus on, on this and give it my best shot. Just watching you over the years, your
6: technique was, was always there as a Gaelic football goalkeeper. Has it changed much in regards to the strike of an American
1: football role? Or... Yeah, there's been a few adjustments now to be honest. Um but a lot of it, a lot of lot of it, can transfer over. But a bit of the follow through on the kick and your body position coming through the kick has been a, has been the big adjustment, and that took a bit of time. But I feel now that I'm starting to get a lot better at it. Nowhere near perfect yet, and um, but um, a lot of work with tag and, and stuff the last couple of weeks has been has been huge, and um, when we've really got a, a good run at it. So um, look at the next few weeks again. There'll be more adjustments made. There'll be. Uh, more coaches getting an eye in and getting a word in with us, especially over in Florida. So looking forward to that. And look, I just want to put my best foot forward and TAG's giving me that platform. Damien, briefly, just final word uh, on
0: this. Is there a fear we might lose more players to to the NFL or is this just a bit of a flash in the pan?
6: No, like, uh, you know, it it started a year and a half ago uh, with TAG Leader uh, trying to facilitate Irish athletes to get a college scholarship place and very very quickly, the process has, has accelerated. The reason it's accelerated is the level of talent in Ireland for kicking uh, for kicking uh, purposes, up to an, an extremely high level. And the NFL coaches have have studied videos of Began and Jackson kicking, and you know they've been pretty much blown away by what they've seen. So um, as Mark Jackson was making the point to me on Tuesday, Shane, uh, Irish players didn't dream about this until very recently. Daniel Wheel and then. Um, the first uh, Irishman to play NFL in, in years and years with the Green Bay Packers. Mm. You know, he, he has probably reignited the flame in terms of Irish guys. But certainly what Tighe leader is doing is, is really, I, I'd say it's no flash in the pan. I, I'm not saying that people will be going off signing contracts left, and right and centre. But I do think for a kicking expert, this could be a viable pathway. It certainly wasn't an option that was there before. And I think if Tighe's uh, organisation stays going uh, in the direction it is, and, and he's already tied, you know, he, he already has a, a contract with the NFL uh, for this combine. Well, that's a good connection made. So, I, I you know, I'm surprised by the, how fast it's taken off for NFL offers to potentially come. And I think if you see one or two of the lads getting offers, Shane, well, there's only one direction is going after that. Um, but again, I've probably been guilty in the past of saying the Aussie rules is crippling... Our game, or going to cripple our game, and I've probably been guilty of saying it's going to cripple the ladies' game in recent years. And you know, it, it definitely is taking a few players away. But you know what? As a GEA person myself, I think uh, if if players were going to NFL on a contract, you, you'd go to the airport and wish them well going away. You know, it's what a what a life changing opportunity that is.
0: Absolutely. Uh, listen, Damien, we're going to leave the conversation there for now. Uh, gentlemen, as always, really appreciate you taking the call.
6: Game on, GAA. Game on. Ladies football.
0: Now, Nadine Doherty is sitting patiently here in studios. We uh, chat LGFA. Um, Listen, it was week one of Division One of of the league, so always difficult to read too much into the action. It was quite weather-affected as well. But uh, before we do, a couple of topics um, that I'd like to... Uh, put to you firstly Nadine the female players charter we've talked about this for quite some time where are we we're, we're edging closer are we
2: I think so so reportedly an agreement has been reached of sorts and I, I'd expect details in the next couple of weeks Um, you know these things take time Shane and huge credit to the LGFA in fairness and the GPA sitting down together uh, because it was probably around this time last year we spoke the, the whole thing started mm. with the Cavan fiasco I suppose so that's nearly a year ago and then the players playing under protest was around May, June um, so fair play to them getting it in order and I'd imagine our executive committees of the organisations are I suppose they're probably having meetings and getting things ratified, um, and I really hope that the government are chipping in here too, Shane. Because you know you have to be honest; like the money just isn't there within the LGFA and their county boards and so on. So you'd really hope that, um, as I said, the government are doing something there. Um, and then I suppose that leads us on to uh, the streaming service that the LGFA have had over the last—I think it's the last three years. Mm. It has been absolutely brilliant, um, and. This week we had one live game on Teach Car and the streaming service wasn't up and running and there was no big announcement about it. I just had a few texts from people and I was even wondering myself. So um I understand that the LGFA are in the process of trying to sort something out to get some kind of streaming okay. up and running for this year. But you have to understand, I mean, I suppose and my own thoughts on it would be the charter has to be paid for in some regard. So you know, I'd imagine some funds have to go from A to B um, and then second of all you're looking at their campaign and their campaign this year is to get people to attend matches so it's a catch 22 for them it is a difficult position to be in because while they want to have a streaming service to target as many people as they can across the country mm. and get the football out there they also want people to come to matches so it's a difficult one for them so I'd imagine over the next couple of weeks they'll be doing something to, to they, get something They peaked too them.
0: soon the streaming well, service was too good It was too good
2: no it was absolutely amazing I mean, I was, you know, working in the media, Shane, as we know, like, it was absolutely brilliant. Mm. I was able to watch every single match if I wanted to every weekend. Obviously, you didn't have the time to do that, but last year, I was able to watch every single Division One game and every single senior game in the championship. And I mean, you don't get that within the men's. So, it was a fantastic service. So, you know, fair play to them that. And I really hope... Wouldn't it be great if somebody came on board, a sponsor yeah. or somebody to help them out? So
0: A highlight show even or yeah, something, something of, of you that, know, that format? Yeah, yeah. you
2: know, we've all these people in all these businesses and the big talk is let's promote women in sport. Wouldn't it be great to see somebody step forward and back them so you'd hope that something is sorted in the next couple of weeks?
0: Absolutely, because there is so much at play and that will lead us on to the matches as well because um, relegation actually is something I want, I want to touch on because there is a lot at stake basically in, in, in this league format.
2: Yeah, and I totally missed it last week. Um, so for the last number of years, as long as I can remember, it was one team up, one mm. team down. Um, but the format has changed this year. So there'll be two teams relegated from Division 1, 2 II and 3 um, and two teams coming up. So that puts the pressure on. I mean, that puts the heat on straight away. So, you know, you're looking at teams who lost this weekend. You don't want to lose back-to-back, especially in Division 1, Shane, because you want the momentum going the other way. And it is hard, you know, it's hard to get out of a cycle when mm-hmm. you lose two straight off the bat. It's it's difficult. So there'll be a few teams under pressure um, this weekend for sure. And two of them, and I suppose we we'll come to that, Galway and Mayo were meeting this weekend and they both lost last weekend. So they'll definitely be targeting that as a huge game for them so early in the weekend. Go so what,
0: you, what you're Telling me the dubs are under pressure after a 1-8 to 6-point loss.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say under pressure, (laughs) but... Mick Bohan gave a very frank and honest interview after uh, he was you know he acknowledged it's very early days I think 7 or 8 Dublin players made their debut mm. Um, a, lo- a lot of players I hadn't heard of to be honest and I mean that's Dublin style every year we spoke about this last week you know Mick uses the league for that but he was annoyed about their application you know he spoke about he the he made basics. subs
0: very early sorry very to put early, across you yeah. I was kind of surprised that.
2: well no he's no- he's known for that you okay. know if you're not cutting the mustard that's it but you, what I like about Bowen too you always see when a player comes off he'll have a word with them and I'd imagine he'd give them feedback straight mm. away. Um, you know, players ha- came on as subs and came off. So look, he told. I feel that he uses the league as a training session, a lot of the, a competitive training session. Um, so no, they won't be pressing the panic button. But Kerry will be thrilled, Shane. They will. I think psychologically as well, it's a big, big one for them. They won't read into it too much. But it was a big win. And I suppose for me at the weekend, the biggest thing I took from it was both teams tried to play football. You know, you have teams very early in the league who stick to this hand-passing and they stick to possession. Both teams kick the ball under not great weather conditions, let's mm. be honest, although Dublin was probably... Parnell Park was the best out of all the the, the, the league grounds, games across. yeah. yeah. Um, but they kicked the ball, they played lovely football, both teams. But interestingly, I felt the newer players that Kerry introduced performed much better, um, and probably, and I know again it's so early, but really looked like realistic options for the championship. I mean, Emma Denine in full forward, she has played with Kerry before; she's a bit of experience, but she took a few years out. She was class, and I know I keep saying it like it's very early in the league, but she is a classy footballer. I think she scored one three. Yeah, uh, she got player of the game, and I would have given player of the game to Niamh Carmody. Now I thought she covered a lot of ground, but Denine looks like a really really class footballer. Um, but no, the panic button will not be pressed in Dublin but I'd say a few hard runs this week um, and another person it was great to see Alwyn Kerry back in a in a Dublin jersey um, Alwyn has gee I'd say she's four or five all-Irelands fantastic footballer took a few years out it'll take her a couple of weeks to get back to the, the pace of things but a huge addition for Dublin really really huge addition um, she can play anywhere she can play anywhere around the middle half-back midfield really classy player so it's great to see her back in the fold
0: um as I mentioned it's always difficult reading too much into week one of the league but also with the weather like I mean Cork Galway was just horrendous wins yeah. I know um, the Mayo match was, was played in in the Dome so they didn't have to but even looking at the pictures of it it was still like I thought the Dome was going to take well, off at one second
2: that's been honest I think it was changed an hour or two before the game I don't know if that game should have been played at all yeah. and, and I know like a lot of those players actually couldn't go back to Dublin or you know travel outside of Mayo after it was rattling like yeah. it was I mean it, it is a structure Um, now what it did lead to was very open and free free flowing football Um, but uh, Meath were 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 very good apparently I didn't see it but reports were you know they were back playing football they looked like a happy team again apparently so obviously there's a good relationship already with Shane McCormick and look 218 to to 115 it's a nice scoreline for the first first game but again wouldn't read into it too much Mm. Um, Meath would have welcomed back a few players who were injured David Cleary and players like that so yeah but they're they're looking happy, and um, with Mayo I suppose, worryingly for them, um, they only scored one five from play. Um, but Maria Cannon scored 10 points from free so they'll be happy enough with that um, but yeah, I wouldn't read too much into it but Mayo probably are under a bit of pressure this weekend and they'll be identifying that Galway game as one they probably should and have to win especially if the Kilcair and players are still um, are still missing for, for Galway
0: So Galway, Mayo, live TG Carr on Saturday in Duggan Park, on the Slow um, on Sunday uh, You mentioned Shane McCormick obviously doing well with, with, with the win for, for Mead Greg McGonagall. Um, with a win for Arma as well like i know it's cliche but new manager getting a win under the belt you guys well,
2: that is a game i i, I saw a few streams of that and Greg is back for sure Armagh compact they are very tight in defence it's very organised it's quick ball through the hands you do not kick the ball unless the pass is on so he has put his stamp there for sure very early and just to commend the LGFA and the GA three out of the four Division 1 matches are on county grounds this weekend Shane so that's brilliant to see as well because you know we're we're usually I'm usually given out here that people are playing Teams are playing in pitches that probably aren't suitable, so fair play in that regard. But yeah, there's there's good games on. I think Dublin Meads will be touchy as always. Um, and you have said that Dublin are under pressure, not me. But we'll I see how posed the question, indeed. <laughs>
0: Pose the question, as I merely, I am just the questions man with no answers. <laughs> um, Dublin Mead. Well, we'll be interested to see how they respond. Yes, um, yes,
2: absolutely. <laughs>
0: uh, that's in Park uh two o'clock on Sunday. One o'clock Cork Armagh in Park. Rain and Kerry Waterford Fitzgerald uh, Stadium. Waterford, we haven't mentioned Waterford. Obviously, losing to Armagh, then uh, panic button mean Pressing me Waterford, then?
2: Well, I wouldn't say panic, but yeah, they'll feel under pressure. Shame, mm. because you know Waterford, I suppose, have always been mid-table or you know the lower end. And I've always said it. I would imagine that one of their aims every season is to stay in Division One. And worryingly, for them against Armagh, while the weather conditions weren't great their only real scoring option with Lauren McGregor you know and com- compared to Armagh, you know they had Kelly Mallon Amy Mackin Ethan McCoy they had a lot of options mm. and Waterford did look limited in that regard difficult place to go they're going to carry off the back of a really good win Fitzgerald Stadium you'll probably be looking at Louise Navarrete coming in or Shea for O'Shea so it's a really difficult task for Waterford and I feel if they lose that they will be under severe pressure so yeah probably a, a bit of pressure there all right <laughs>
0: Um, just, we're going to finish the conversation just because you were pressing, pressing me on my beloved Dublin you were saying Donegal, there'd be nowhere thereabouts they're joint top of Division 2 yes, I don't care it's only round yeah. one played you're joint I was,
2: top I was talking them down and no, listen a really good result for them because Leash, as we know won the Intermediate Ireland two years ago they had a decent spell up senior you know, a few good results last year a really, really good result for Donegal for a very new look Donegal hmm. first game away from home in those conditions very low scoring but they'll be delighted with that win and I'm delighted for them because the pressure is off a little bit there for sure
0: Absolutely fourth place officially uh, Tyrone, Tipperary, Kildare also uh, getting wins Uh, Monin, Leash, Westmead and Cavan uh, looking for their wins lots to look forward to Nadine will be chatting again next Wednesday thank you very much uh, for coming in we are turning our attention to tennis next in the company of Gary Call Uh, he's going to get his update with the Australian Open
1: Game
0: on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin.
3: Game on. Tennis.
0: Now I'm delighted to say that Gary uh, Cattle is on the line now, respected tennis coach to chat Australian Open. Gary, uh, thank you first and foremost very much for taking the call. Uh, Let us start with men's singles action. And I'm always keeping an eye out for an upset. I know Cameron Norrie beat Casper Road a little bit earlier on. It's fair to say Zverev beating Alcaraz is an upset?
5: Yeah, it probably is. I mean, on recent form, you would expect that Alcaraz was going to win that match. But it was was a bit of a a strange situation because normally coming up to a a slam like this, players would have played tournaments and build-up tournaments beforehand. And unusually, Alcaraz hasn't played any uh, build-up to the Australian Open. There were rumours that he was injured, that he was, you know, working on his game. So... You know, whereas it might be a bit of an upset, to be honest, I'm not really that surprised because he came into this tournament not match fit, hadn't played a lot of tough matches along the way and, and playing against someone like Zverev, who, you know, he's a huge guy, massive serve. He's serving eighty six percent of first serves in. It's it, it's tough to beat someone someone like that when they're playing that well. So I'm not that surprised.
0: Although we did nearly pull off some comeback mm. like he he got the third set 7-6 um and he, i think of one set he was nearly trailing 5-2 or whatever um, b- before zverev got 6-4 in 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 the fourth set but it was just
5: too little too late yeah like you know it was he was 5-2 up uh served for the match in that set and and got a bit tight and and zverev would have been known to be a player who suffered a little bit with nerves in the past and maybe the reason why he hasn't won slams. Uh, And it it looked like that at that point in the match. And then you see Alcaraz gets a bit of confidence, starts to bounce around the court a bit, like in the Dahl style, you know, and gets, gets into the match. But I think in general, you know, Alcaraz was just a little bit up and down today. And then when Zverev got a chance to serve it out in the fourth set, he served it out really well. From a casual viewpoint,
0: not many people would be looking past Novak Djokovic for the title overall. But when you get in then to the more detailed, as you mentioned, about how preparation is, how, how people, how different athletes are are kind of fixed, is it a case of it, all, all signs point to Djokovic or um, how competitive will, will the rest of this tournament be?
5: Yeah, I mean, Sinner is a tough opponent and Djokovic plays Sinner next young Italian guy coming through has has been shown like good signs. They actually played a few times at the end of last year. Sinner beat Djokovic twice. Now having said that, Djokovic beat him in in the most important one, which was the final of the end of year uh, Masters. But Sinner is someone who's capable of beating Djokovic. But the question is like can he you know pull off a long match, five-set match against Djokovic. Like, it's, it's possible to beat Djokovic in, in three, but can you beat him in five? You know, it's it's, it's really down to whether uh, Sinner has the belief that he can beat someone like Djokovic, you know, in, in a four-hour battle, because it's definitely not going to be easy when he's playing Djokovic. But he has the tools to do it. And actually, when you look at the draw and you look at the way the semi-finals have matched up, that, that match between Novak and Sinner could really be the final. Oh, OK. Well, that is
0: interesting, certainly one to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Gary, on the women's side of um, the competition, a great story. 23-year-old Ukrainian qualifier um, Diana Yastremska, the first mm-hmm. qualifier <clears throat> excuse me, in the Australian Open
5: semi-final since 1978. That's right, that's, that's right. Yeah, now, again, like I can say, you know, it's surprising, but she has form. Like, she, when she was 19, like, she was really, you know, rated as the, the big up-and-coming uh, player. Uh, she was 20 in the world at that stage. Uh, she was out for a few months after that, out for about six months. Uh, but someone who always has had potential, uh, and now seems to be coming into form. And and look, it would be a great story. And we know from looking at Radikanu, who in 2021 uh, managed to pull that off in the US Open, managed to come from qualifying and win true. We know it's possible, you know, but, but look, yeah, it would be a great story to see somebody like her, a Ukrainian, you know, Coming through and 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 pushing on, but she's got she's got tough matches to play. She plays a Chinese Zhang who's been doing very well. Uh, a lot of good Chinese ladies coming through. This one is is very good, like 15 in the world at the moment. So it's it's a tough match, but look, yeah, it would be great fairy tale story. It would be a great story. It's possible. Is it likely though? I I mean, look. I wouldn't go to the bookies tomorrow on, and put all, all my money <laughs> on that one uh, because the other half of the draw is is really, you know, I would say... Is this kind of Djokovic-Sinner? Whoever wins this yeah, wins... Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it looks a bit like that as well where you have Goff and Sabalenko, you know, both of them have won slams. Goff has really been coming through; like she won the US Open, someone who we've thought for a long time is going to be the next Williams sister, you know, and... Is starting to really show form. And then you have Sabalenko, who won the Australian Open last year, has been really cruising through the draw. Like she's won matches like Six Love, Six Love, and I I, I don't think she's dropped many games. Uh, They look like the most likely to win the tournament. But you never know. You never know in the Grand Slam, especially this one. At the start of the year, you never know. Exactly. On that on that note, Gary Cowell,
0: <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, lots to look forward to in Australian Open. No doubt we will be chatting again soon. That is all we have time for on this evening's game on. Do stay tuned to 2 FM. Plenty of new music coming your way with Better the Silver. Big thanks to John Farrell, who produced this evening's show. Laurie Davis was a broadcast coordinator from me, Shane Dawson from all of the game on team. We'll chat to you again tomorrow. It is bye for
1: now. R T E 2 FM.
0: Game on, on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus
5: Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last.